Hello, everybody, and welcome to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck, and I am your host. This podcast is about my personal experiences, stories, and events with dealing with borderline personality disorder, otherwise known as BPD. My experiences with BPD is due to my wife, now ex-wife, who I have been with for 34 years, was diagnosed with BPD in 2012. And I want to share my experiences with you so that if you are someone who has somebody in your life with BPD, that you may relate to what I'm saying along with my personal tips and suggestions that may or may not work in your specific situation. And if you are someone who has been diagnosed or think you may have BPD, that you may recognize the signs and understand the havoc and turmoil that it can have around people that are involved in your life. Let me caution you that I am in no way qualified or certified in the field of mental health and that my personal suggestions are merely my personal opinion and do not recommend that anybody take any mental health therapy into their own hands, but to personally seek out the help from a professional in the field of mental health. And furthermore, if you are a couple, you might even consider counseling to help further your relationship a little bit better. So with that being said, I hope you enjoy the show. and thank you for listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. My name is Brad Chaddock. I'm your host. And today's episode is kind of a, might be a boring one to some of you because there's not a lot of information about my wife per se, um, but more about the situation and a new tactic that I'm trying to visit and see if it works. And then I'll do another episode and give you the results and see what happened. But it's about waiting and seeing if maybe she'll come through with time and not seeing all the things that I've been doing and, I guess, enabling her to continually to not get help for herself and continually to mentally abuse me and take advantage of me. But anyways, thank you for listening. Let's get on with the show. Thank you for listening. Living in third degree with BPD. My name is Brad Shattuck. I'm your host, and I'm trying a new tactic. I, oh my God, taking the advice of a lot of family and friends, and they all notice that, you know, one thing is I don't give her time to miss me um, or time to realize the things that I do she should appreciate. You know, she'll send me away and um, she never invites me back up or says sorry. I always end up going back up there and she throws up my face. She'll say, you know, I didn't ask you to come back up. I didn't invite you up here. And, you know, as soon as I go up there, I go up bearing gifts. I, you know, bring dog food and make sure the bills are paid and make sure she has everything she needs. And, um, but unfortunately this time she just received a, um, her settlement for her inheritance, I should say, um, for the sale of her mother's house. So money won't be an issue, but to her, love, compassion, friendship means more to her than money. So I was 
being the financial provider, and I think I used that as my upper hand, you know, I would tell her, you know, you keep pushing me away, I'm not going to be here to pay your bills or get the dog food or get you food or bring you shopping or anything like that. Now that won't be an issue because now she's got, I mean, it's not a huge amount of money, but still, it's enough where she, you know, it doesn't have to rely on me. So it's been just about four weeks. I haven't physically spoke to her. Uh, she blocked me on Facebook Messenger. Um, I didn't realize that. I was sending her messages and thinking she wasn't reading them. She's not even getting them because she blocked me. Um, I haven't gone up there and hoping that she'll maybe a little bit in the evil side of my mind hoping that maybe she'll think does he have somebody else but on the other hand she told me before she's the type that if I had somebody else it wouldn't bother her like that if I used to hint to her that I had somebody that was interested in me that made her that pushed us further apart where me it made me jealous and want to be there and not let it happen um, whether she just says that and it's true or not, I honestly don't know. Um, but it is mean to, you know, play with somebody's emotions like that, make them think that somebody else wants you. But um, I still was writing her letters, um, usually one every other day, mailing it out. And I got a couple that said return to sender. Um, but I do plan on going up there uh, next week. So it'll be five weeks I haven't been up there and kind of pop in and, see what's going on and see if there's any change you know in her attitude or anything and i'll do an episode on that and see everybody's been telling me you got to stay away because all you're doing is enabling her she knows you're going to run right back there that she can you know treat you like shit and because uh, the last time i went up there um one night um it was fine I, I went up there she was a little cold but warmed up um i went and got chinese takeout we had a good night, and um, I ended up leaving on good terms, and I went up there a couple nights after that, and I didn't go up to the door. I sat in the driveway. She knew I was out there, and she never once came out and asked what I was doing there. You know, I wanted her to finally come to me and ask me, you know, do you want to come in, or, you know, what are you doing here, you know, in a nice way, considering that we left on good terms just a couple or a few nights before that, and she didn't. Um, I ended up staying out in the car, um, and then I'm falling asleep. I was there for like, I think four and a half hours. Woke up, it was like two o'clock in the morning. I said, screw this, I'm leaving. And, um, you know, sent her a letter and told her that, you know, I wanted her to finally maybe, you know, it would have been nice for her to come out and ask me, you know, to come in or, you know, what's wrong or, you know, I'm always the one chasing her. And it'd be nice once in a while to, you know, have compassion come my direction once in a while. You know, rather it just be a one-way street and not always be about her. I mean, we all love, you know, recipro reciprocal love, you know. But, I don't know. It's She hasn't, um, you know, tried to reach out to me. Like, none of my kids have gotten in contact with me and saying, you know, Mom's wondering how you're doing or anything like that. Which, she never does anyways, but I just figured maybe if she didn't hear from me, maybe she'd wonder if something was wrong. But... Anyways, I'm going to try to give it a shot, and, and trust me, it hasn't been easy. There's actually three letters in the past week and a half. I haven't mailed any out. Um, actually, I got four of them piled up, 
and I was thinking of mailing one out like every other day, every third day. And I said, no, maybe I should cut off all communication together. You know, because even that, it's still a tie. It's still a line of communication of me, you know, begging to her. You know, she never writes back. You know, she never... Um, I remember went up there one day, and there was like six letters that weren't even open. I'm like, I spend my time writing you anywhere from usually 10, 12 pages. And, you know, I, as computer savvy as I am and, you know, um, 100% believe in technology, I use good old pen and paper. I love writing. I, I absolutely love it. I could write all day, all night. And the day that I lose my ability to write, it will be like losing eyesight to me. I love writing. Um, so I put all my feelings out on paper, and I can sit there and flow out words. And, you know, I, I tell her, you know, she, I know she's the type that likes the attention, so I, I don't, you know, write letters a lot about putting blame on her because she'll just tear it up or stop reading it. So I always put about, you know, how I loved her before I even met her. Like, when I was 15, I always started dreaming about what my dream girl would look like. And then when I was 17... Um, it started getting really strong. Uh, every night I would lay down and I just really wanted to meet the girl in my dreams. I just didn't know what she looked like. But I was already in love with the girl in my dreams before I met her. I just didn't have, it was like a silhouette. I just didn't have, you know, I, I knew what I wanted as far as, you know, body type, face, hair, um, personality. I just didn't meet her yet. And I knew when I did, I knew once I knew she would fill, whoever it would be, would fill that role, I just, I, I, I prayed every night, God, please let me meet the girl in my dreams. And then when I did meet her, it, it was literally, I never knew, you know, the old cliche of love at first sight. It was. I was like, oh my God, that's her. She was perfect. She, everything about her, that was the girl in my dreams. So she was dating somebody at the time. And then I just kept giving her the attention. And, you know, I was 18, she was 16. Uh, she was already pregnant. Um, the father of the baby wasn't even in her life. She was just dating this kid. Um, it was more of a convenience dating more than anything. They weren't really in love. And then I just, you know, won her heart over. And we were together ever since. You know, 34 years later, I still love her. I love her, if not more, than I ever did. And I think it's because I realized... I don't know what it was. I, I got a wake-up call. And they say, you know, the, the other cliche, you don't know what you got till it's gone. And when she left me, and I never thought it would happen, and ignored me, wouldn't answer me, got a restraining order, and then divorced me, I was like, wait a minute. I really loved what I had. And, yeah, I took advantage of it. We all become complacent. Um, you know, the romance isn't really there. You don't miss each other because you see each other 24-7. And I missed what I had. And I, when we got back together, semi back together, you know, almost four years ago, um, a year after the divorce, I realized I enjoyed just sitting in a room with her watching TV. Or she was doing her own hobbies and I was reading. I'd look over at her and say, I just enjoy being in the same room with her. I enjoyed, I never got bored being with her or sick of being with her. You know, she'd be in the kitchen for like a half an hour. I'd miss her. I'd have to go out there and come up behind her and give her a hug and kiss her on the neck and say, what are you doing, baby? And, you know, nothing. And at the same time, I know everybody's different. Some people feel smothered. And I know sometimes she just wanted her time apart. 
um, you know, whether it was her being in the room by herself, she'd say, you know, can you just go do so? I just want, you know, my own space. And I give her her space, you know, but I understand her hair is, you know, like the analogy of a, a fish tank. It was filled to the top, and there was more fish in the tank. Um, it was just a cluttered community. You know, she had her battling her BPD, her depression, um, her mother passing away, having to move out of her mother's house, not knowing where she was going, not knowing what was going on with us. She had a lot of emotions running around in a tank that was already filled to the top and overflowing. And, you know, as much as I tried to tell her, you know, I want to be there for her, she also had 34 years of unfulfilled promises, um, you know, and like I said, when we were apart for months, I would go up there and beg her, tell me what I did wrong, tell me what I did wrong, and she kept saying, if I have to tell you, then you never knew what you were doing right, or, or how to do it right, and when I saw a pastor and he told me, maybe you already know the answers, you need to seek in your heart, and think about, you know, when you guys argued what you argued about, and try to think about what you promised, and, you know, think about things you said, and things you didn't say, maybe you already know the answers, and I said, and I kept saying, but I, I, I would just want to know what I did, and then maybe I can work from there, and he said, maybe it's not what you did, maybe what you didn't do, and that was the key, so I'd read through some of the letters she'd write me, and it would always say the same things. I just always wanted to feel loved. Um, you didn't make me feel loved. I didn't feel protected. You know, I felt like you didn't love me. So I was very distant. And she's that type that needs a lot of attention. And in a way, I take blame, you know, that she did cheat on me a lot of times because they say a woman does it more for emotional, a guy does it for physical. And, you know, when a guy gave her that attention that I wasn't giving her, she would feed right into it. And, you know, she just wanted to feel complete. You know, I gave her, you know, maybe seven or six out of ten things. And that other guy that was giving her the four things, those four things could have been more important than the seven things I was giving her. You know, or even if I was giving her nine out of ten, that one thing, making her feel loved, maybe I wasn't just doing that thing. So I started realizing it wasn't the things I was doing, it was the things I wasn't doing. Not so much the things I was saying, things I wasn't saying. Like I said, one of the biggest things I learned was when I would tell her I love her, I think it was because I wanted the reassurance of her saying she loved me back. And even if it didn't seem believable, just to hear those words. And then I started telling her, when I tell you I love you, it's not because I want to hear it back. I want you to know I love you. And a lot of times she would start to say I love you back and I'd put my finger over her lips and say, I don't even want to hear it. I just want you to know I love you. And anyway, so... That's what I'm doing right now. I don't know what she's up to, what she's doing. Like I said, I haven't been in touch and contact. But next week I will. And I'll definitely do an episode and let you know what I heard, what I saw, what transpired. And um, if this four weeks, almost five weeks of misery, and it's been killing me not to have any communication with her, you know, what happens? So with that being said... If you have somebody in your life that has BPD, love them as much as you can. Tell them as much as you can. Make them feel that they are loved because they find it so hard to love themselves and so hard to believe that anybody else loves them as well. Thank you very much for listening.
You've been listening to Living in the Third Degree with BPD. I hope you enjoyed the show, and please check out my many other episodes. I hope you get some beneficial suggestions from my experiences. And remember, we're all responsible for our own choices. I'd like to remind you that if you have someone in your life with BPD, try to understand them and love them as much as you can, because they find it so hard to be able to understand themselves and love themselves. So thank you again and have a happy life. Hi, if you'd like to contact me with any questions, suggestions, or if you'd like to be a guest on one of our shows or would like an email read on the show, you can contact me at thirddegreepodcastnh at gmail.com. That's spelled T-H-I-R-D-D-E-G-R-E-E-P-O-D-C-A-S-T-N-H, thirddegreepodcastnh. Again, that's at gmail.com. I hope to hear from you. Thank you again.